What does A.D. Mitchell bring to the Longhorns in 2023? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel, official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. John Garcia, Jr., your favorite recruiting analyst, joining us today on Locked on Longhorns. And John, we have to talk about the transfer landing A.D. Mitchell in the transfer portal for the Longhorns. Look, Texas has yet to make the playoffs, but they got some great playoff experience in A.D. Mitchell, a two-time national champion, has scored a touchdown in each college football playoff game. He has played in four games, four touchdowns. What do you think about the addition of A.D. Mitchell for the Longhorns? Oh, big fan, big fan. A.D. was one of those guys that after the 21 season in that playoff run, you you kind of got the sense – if George is going to fix this wide receiver I- issue, I put in air quotes because they're they're very good everywhere else, so it almost doesn't matter. Then Mitchell's going to be kind of the reason why he was going to help Georgia take that next step. And then he got really banged up in twenty two, uh, but obviously came back for the playoff and still made that same kind of noise. And what I like about Mitchell in particular is that a lot of his big plays not only were in the biggest games in the biggest moments but they were all seemingly contested. He is making plays against great players with the ball in the air. Uh, and I think there, there's something to be said for not only big game experience, but big play experience in those big games. So the overall numbers or the athletic profile won't wow you by themselves, but combined with that experience, the polish, the ability to make plays at the apex in the biggest moments, all of that should make Texas fans pretty excited because really um, – this receiving core goes from arguably the best to, to where now you're like, from a production standpoint, it's hard to imagine, independent of Ohio State, who's always kind of by themselves, it's hard to imagine a better group uh, potentially assembled for for Sark and for Quinn and maybe for Arch. I don't know how that all is going to go, um, but this has got that nice combination of size, uh, experience, and explosiveness between some of these upperclassmen now at Texas. All these guys that made plays as young players, and they're still playing college ball collectively. And then you throw in some of these new faces, the recruits uh, that, that are going to be uh, joining this group, and there's a sense of depth. Um, and and not reliance on any one guy. I think this is big news. As big of news as this is for Sark and Quinn, it's probably big news for Xavier Worthy, I think individually, because now it it takes a little bit of the pressure off of him uh, in theory. So I'm a big fan of Mitchell. I think injuries were really what slowed down that development. Um, And and Georgia was was hitting the portal hard at receiver as well. So you understand why he might have said, well, hey, you know, I've made the biggest plays in the biggest moments yet. And still uh, they're trying to replace me a little bit. So if you add a chip on the shoulder to a productive big game player like that, you got to like your chances uh, going forward if, if you're Texas. So once again, like we said all year last year, J.D., talent won't be the issue on offense uh, not not at any one position and and especially at the wide receiver position which now maybe becomes the deepest on the entire roster 
Yeah, A.D. Mitchell, definitely your F.A. He down there somewhere receiver for Quinn Ewers. Hopefully that comes to fruition in 2023. So Texas lined up in 12 personnel a lot last year, about 41% of the time, more than any other personnel group in 12 personnel. Uh, your two tight ends, your one running back, right? Two receivers on the field, more than likely. Um, but with another year of development on the offensive line, uh, another year of development for Quinn Ewers, and I'm not going to name all of them, but you have nine viable options in the wide receiver room, nine players that can come in and make a play for you. Do you think we'll see more of a spread offense in 2023 for the Longhorns, and how would that benefit Quinn Ewers in year two? I think you're on the right track for sure, because not only are you not – you don't need to protect those young linemen as much with those extra tight ends. You also lose a Bijan Robinson – who is part of the reason why you're like, even though we're young, we're still going to line it up and, and come downhill. Uh, so I think all of those factors will not only help those receivers see the field a little bit more, but it absolutely helps Quinn Ewers. I think you're more balanced. Uh, you're, you're more dependent on Quinn Ewers to be great. Now, this running back room has a lot of talent, and maybe said Baxter is, is all we think he is, and he comes in and he is a B. John clone day one. But – it's not very likely that all of that lines up uh, as, as much as we, we realize. Uh, so I do think it makes you more dependent on a Quinn Ewers, on your QB1, and your play caller simultaneously. So I, I do think you see more of a conventional, wide-open look. Doesn't mean you're going to be a pass-first offense all the time, but at least formation-wise, you can play a little bit more wide-open because now some of those sub-defenders, some of those linebackers aren't able to line up in the box over the guards, over the tackles, they've got to widen out their stance just a little bit more. So it creates more running lanes, a little bit more space to operate underneath if you do have more receivers uh, work in the middle. So I think this helps basically all involved for Texas. And then if the running game becomes a strength as the season goes on, then you could you could profile even more balanced and come out as likely in, in, in a spread for wide as much as you, you will in that conventional uh, 21 personnel that you talked about. Yeah, looking ahead to the 2024 class next on Locked on Longhorns. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked on because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports book partner of the NFL. Look that five to, to get 150 That could make some of y'all rich. <laughs> I know y'all hate going to work. <laughs> y'all better tap in with FanDuel. All right, John Garcia Jr., for the first time, on Locked On Longhorns, uh -oh. we are diving into the 2024 recruiting class. Look, we got Arch, we got Sid Baxter, we got John T. Cook, we got all our guys, right? Look, we we still holding out on Dukes Robinson, though. If you want to come play baseball at the University of Texas, let us know, you know. <laughs> yeah. But we're moving on to the 2024 class, in theory, right, in terms of high school. So before we get into some of the specific players in the 2024 class that Texas may be targeting and Texas has already picked up, in your opinion, what are the strengths and the weaknesses of this 2024 recruiting class? And I don't, I don't want to say weaknesses. I don't want to be disrespectful to any position right. group in high school, but 
it's what are the strengths of this class and, and where some maybe positions that aren't as strong as previous classes. That's a, that's a way to dress it up right there. Yeah, smart man. Uh, look, I, it's not – let me start right at the top. It's not the quarterback year that 23 was. Um, I think at the top there's, there's a little bit of fluidity, um, but it's a smaller group of elite guys there. You know, last year all we talked about was if Arch is or isn't number one, who is in that category? And you've probably heard three, four, five different names in that tier – it's not as deep in the class of, of 24, which is why, one, a lot of these kids are starting to come off the board uh, at quarterback in the 24 class. Um, and then, two, you're seeing an emphasis on more of these skill position guys. Wide receiver, fantastic early on in 24. Um, but conversely, uh, the edge prospects, the big guys up front, um, it, it looks a little bit like a step down from what we saw last year where there was so much talent both on the interior and along the edge i will say though of course jd you know it's january so some of these positions will feel better as time goes on because more prospects will have that room to emerge right the camp circuit is is cranking up i was just at a seven on seven this past weekend uh we're we're getting eyeballs on a lot of great young talent here going forward so the pool will widen uh, to a large degree but it's also for texas in particular a ton of talent in state. You know the deal uh, from Texas's perspective. That classic Big 12 footprint will still play very well to the Longhorns in the class of 24. You've already got three in-staters uh, verbally committed, all good in their own right. Uh, but, yeah, I think positionally quarterback won't be the same, but it's okay. Texas already has its guy. Wide receiver is huge. I think that's the group that if you're going to splash in volume, that could be a position where you maybe take that chance and and jump forward with. And then the secondary prospects certainly look good closer to home. You know, I think that's great news for Texas. Some of the best DBs in the country are are in the state of Texas and in that footprint. So that will profile really well as this this cycle develops, but still looking for more depth for me uh, at the position. You know, uh, some, some real technical cover corners, not a whole lot there at the very top. And now they are thinking about starting to come off the board uh, in their own right as well. Just saw Ellis Robinson set his commitment date for February 1st. So some of these top recruits are coming off the board uh, and these positions are going to fluctuate, but, but definitely most importantly for this audience, quarterback is not what it was last year. So it was really important to grab your guy in 23, but of course, Texas also has their guy in 24. Yeah, and that uh, Arch video of him throwing against air to DeAndre Moore is circulating. So the Kool-Aid is already starting. Seen it twice, uh, and, not looking for uh, it already. So. In Austin, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Somebody even put it in slow motion. Like, yeah, like come on, man. Like, let's, like, come on, y'all. All right. So, John and audience, just bear with me here for this question. This is some big J journalism right now. So just bear with me. Let me set it up. Let me set the table for John Garcia so he can eat. So in the last 10 recruiting cycles, right, if you look at the top three players from each class in the state of Texas, there has been 30 possible players for the Longhorns to go after. So last 10 cycles, the top three players in Texas from each cycle. So 10 cycles times three top three players, 30 players total in the last 10 cycles for the Longhorns to be able to go after. Only five out of 30 signed a letter of intent to play for Texas out of high school. Malik Jefferson, Caden Stearns, BJ Foster, JT Sanders and Devon Campbell. I'm not counting Quinn Ewers because he went to Ohio State and then transferred to Texas. Currently, the top three players from Texas in the 2024 class are Kobe Black, Micah Hudson, and Colin Simmons. 
So with Texas's track record the last 10 years of not being able to pull in top three talent in the state, once again, five out of 30 possible players, how important is it for Texas to land one of these players in the next recruiting cycle? Once again, the top three players in Texas, Kobe Black, corner, Michael Hudson, wide receiver, Colin Simmons, edge rusher. I mean, it's always important at the top. You know, I think, first of all, I'm curious about that 23 cycle. Who, who was it? Arnold Hicks? Those guys. I mean, Anthony Hill. and I think it was Arnold, Arnold Hicks and up. Peyton Bowen, I think. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's understandable. But, yeah, look, Anthony Hill and Cook were right there, if not right <laughs> in that mix. But, yeah, I, I see what you're doing from a research perspective. But, look, it, it's important, right, because – if, if those two weren't in there in 23, where do the other guys go? A&M and Oklahoma, right? So your primary competition is where those guys typically have ended up anyway. So that is important to note here going forward. And that's also the reason why it's important to start bucking the trend uh, just a little bit more. Um, and with those three guys, you got a shot, right? Two of the three were just at Texas this past weekend. Um, that's certainly big news. I know with Hudson, there was some drama. Will he or won't he make this this visit, he's, he doesn't talk a whole lot. Uh, so he is one that has some intrigue around him. So for him to get to Austin, I thought, was a big deal, especially considering that, you know, these 23 enrollees are already there. You know, that's going to be another layer uh, of recruiting prowess for Texas and, and everybody else. So I think Hudson getting on campus was a really big deal. And then you look at some of these other guys, Simmons, that's going to be a, a big dog, heavyweight battle right just visited georgia we'll see right we'll see tbd on that one uh i i think it feels a little bit different when one it's a defensive recruit and two it, the, the the traditional sec is there this early on i think that that will be a, a big deal uh for texas and then kobe black was was another one who was at ut this this past weekend so that profiles very well he is a defensive recruit so that's a big deal for ut i love the secondary class it brought in in 23 and he would be a heck of a way to to keep it rolling in 24 uh, even though they already have a corner on board so you always want to win at the top especially when the other schools that win at the top are oklahoma's your your a&m's your bama's your georgia's of the world uh ohio state notre dame has always prioritized the state of texas so um, that's a, that's a really important point, um, especially when you look at the end season product for Texas and in, in, in that same 10 year span that that you highlighted, J.D. Um, maybe there's some correlation there. Right. Talent wins games. I think everybody understands that at this point. And the uh, the, the whole stars don't matter crowd had had a pretty rude national title game uh, awakening uh, if <laughs> in, in that regard. Love Cinderella stories um, within our, our great field of journalism. But the end of the day the, the more talented team and, and the most talented teams have have hoisted that lipstick looking trophy there at the end of the cycle so um i do think that's still very important for every school and obviously texas still has room to improve in that regard even though all the recruiting trends are pointed in the right direction yeah with texas being as big as it is and producing as much talent as it is it's important for texas to be in on those top players in the state you know fourth or fifth is really good but we want those top three if sark is trying to get texas to where texas is trying to go last question for you john what are your thoughts on texas's 2024 class thus far right now they have three commits at hunter modern top 100 athlete Jaden allen little brother of bj allen who is currently on campus playing safety for the longhorns and then trey owens big six four six five uh quarterback out of cyprus i think i wrote it down somewhere i think he's out of cyprus yeah yeah he is uh i'll start there big physical quarterback six foot four extremely productive multi-year starter kind of the right style of quarterback to follow up from an arch manning because I, I think i don't have the research like you to, to back this up but typically 
when you grab an elite quarterback, as my phone rings here, when you grab an elite quarterback, it's very hard to follow that up with another elite quarterback. Um, even even the Ohio States, the Bamas, the Clemsons, the schools that have been there at the end of the year, they still haven't been able to stack those great classes together. So you do one of two things. One, you grab one early that maybe is a bit of a counter stylistically, or two, you just settle and you kind of take one at the very end of the cycle and you say, hey, look, the portal's crazy. We need a body. So it's good to see Texas going with the former as opposed to the latter. I think Tyler provides some pocket, some classic pocket style um, situational football. Uh, he's big. He's physical. He's accurate. He does need development. Uh, his mechanics can get tightened up. You know, I think he's more of a long-term two, three, four-year guy, which is exactly what you want after, in theory, bringing in a guy who's ready to go day one, at least from what we understand in an Arch Manning. I think with the other two verbal commitments. I think Allen is, is a feisty technical corner. He's got great twitch to him, uh, great quickness, certainly needs to get a little bit bigger. I think he's like 5'10", 170 or so as he fills out his frame. If he can maintain some of that twitch and instinctive ability, I think he could profile as sort of a classic cover corner, which you know, everybody needs as many of those um, as possible. And then with, with modern, you, you see the versatility. You see why he's listed as an athlete two-way guy, really three-way guy, great uh, returner uh, as a kick and punt returner there as well. Dynamic player, really, really comes out of his stance well at wide receiver. So I'm starting to think if you got to slate him at one position, receiver uh, could be that spot. But but he's got a bigger frame than Allen, and he could profile as, as a true two-way player as, as this cycle progresses. So maybe whichever group between the receiver and the secondary you aren't as satisfied with, you throw him on on the opposite uh, to just bolster that side of the ball just a little bit more. But a heck of a start. I mean, there are good programs that have zero commitments in the 24 class at this point. And on top of that, you always want a quarterback on board early. Texas has checked both of those boxes, and I think we should probably expect another great cycle uh, when all is said and done with this foundation. All right, we got a little bit of a time. We got a little bit of time here, so let's have a quick therapy session. We're both Cowboys fans, so John, just give us give us a minute. I, I know, I know. <laughs> Just give us give us a minute on, on, on what happened this season and where did the Cowboys go from here? You know, it's, it's really hard to string along uh, good games back-to-back, it feels like, uh, when you're a Cowboys fan. Uh, Shout-out to the defense. I, I think that should be the core identity of the group going forward, but clearly offensively from a combination of a, a lack of creativity uh, off the field to a lack of productivity on it. You need more explosiveness. You need more big play guys. You need more guys who you can rely on because once Pollard went down, everything felt different about the offense and its ceiling simultaneously. Um, but that defense is, I think, here to stay. It's going to keep Dallas relevant and in the double-digit win conversation going forward. But at what point do you make that that drastic change, whether it's play caller, QB1, whatever it is? At what point do you gamble to truly take a shot at overhauling this roster? Because – Four's got question marks around them. 21's got question marks around them. The O-line has, has shifted from a young, from an old group to a young group. What happens with 7-7? Seven, seven? 86 is on the block. There's a lot of transition ahead, I think, in, in Big D. And, and I'm kind of here for it at this point, to be honest with you. Nothing but truth there. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And for a minute and a half today, this was Locked On Cowboys. Hook them in peace. <laughs>